Welcome to Your Strata Property, the podcast for property owners looking for reliable, accurate and bite-sized information from an experienced and authoritative source. To access previous episodes and useful strata tips, go to www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. Hello and welcome. I'm Amanda Farmer and this is Your Strata Property. Ash Roy is the founder of Productive Insights, which helps you focus on the few things that really move the needle in your business. So you spend more time working on your business and less time working in your business. Sounds lovely. Ash has over 15 years of international corporate experience in finance and strategy with a CPA and an MBA from the Australian Graduate School of Management. He is the host of a very popular podcast, Productive Insights, with over 170 episodes that feature some of the world's leading online entrepreneurs, including Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin, Amy Porterfield, Ryan Dice, Sonia Simone, to name just a few. He also believes that productivity and business success is not about getting more done in less time. Instead, he believes it's important to focus on the few things that really deliver maximum impact, the 20% of your efforts that deliver 80% of your results. Ash teaches all this and more in the Productive Insights membership program, which you can access over at getmetodone.com. I am absolutely delighted to welcome to the show, Ash Roy. Hi, Ash. Hey, Amanda. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. It's such an honor to be here and Wow, you're just the epitome of an action taker, so I'm just inspired. <laughs> now, uh, I, I think Ash is saying that because it is when this goes to air, it's probably, Ash, almost three years since wow. you helped me start this podcast. Ash was the consultant that I engaged to get me going with the Your Strata Property podcast. He taught me all things podcasting, all things tech, uh, process, procedure, iTunes, all of that scary stuff, scary to a lawyer, not so scary to a tech person. And Ash is the reason I got started and, and kept going really, I think. So thank you, Ash. You're most welcome. Look, I thank you for the kind words, but I think you're the reason you kept going. Uh, <laughs> I definitely helped you to get started, but you're just somebody who decides to do something and stays focused. And that is what just sets you apart from pretty much anybody I've worked with. I still remember the day I'd come to your place and we'd set up the mic in your house yep. and we did like a three hour session and we did the <laughs> whole plan. We came up with a term your strata property mm -hmm. we thought about our target audience and what problem we were solving and mm -hmm. we came up with that title and it's very simple got good recall and it's stuck so congratulations on your awesome success thank you I can't believe it is almost three years and I have enjoyed and continue to enjoy every minute of it but your real expertise Ash is in uh, as we said in the intro helping professionals be more productive and I thought I would finally bring you on the show beginning of 2019 great time of year for us to be thinking about how we might get more out of our not just our working lives but our lives full stop and I know 
we have lots of strata managers listening in, incredibly busy people, full inboxes, a very demanding role. We have strata committee members who are volunteers, unpaid volunteers, trying to help their buildings, help their fellow owners get the most out of their investments. And of course, all of us have the day-to-day juggle of life and work and family. So great time to chat to someone like you, share your tips, your strategies on how we can get the most out of 2019. So happy to do that. Awesome. Well, I remember speaking at an event that you were kind enough to have me speak at, at Macquarie Bank, which was to a group of strata managers. Mm. And in fact, that speech, that talk seeded my course, the premium productivity course. And today I plan to share some of the key takeaways from that course. Awesome. Great to hear. Thank you for that. Let's kick off with this term productivity. Your business is called Productive Insights. What do you, Ash, say a productive professional looks like? Okay. So to me, a productive professional looks like somebody who isn't scurrying around super busy, overwhelmed, and singing the busy mantra a lot of professionals tend to sing, walking around with this lack of sleep as a badge of honor. Um, My view of productivity is about being effective, and it's actually about doing less. And by that, I mean focusing on the fewer things that make the biggest impact Mm. and either delegating or systemizing the rest. And we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Mm. Just one more point I want to make is Productive Insights started off as a productivity blog. It's now evolved more into a business consulting and online advisory kind of blog and I help people with membership sites. But yes, productivity is still something I'm very passionate about. And something that is increasingly important, I think, as we lead these ever busier lives. And uh, I really hear what you're saying there, where people wear this busyness and perhaps this lack of sleep as a badge of honor. And being conscious, I think, of what is it that we're doing that's taking up all this time? And is it stuff that we should be doing? And if it isn't stuff we should be doing, then how do we get that off our plates? So to be able to step back, have an objective look at that, I think is really valuable. So you've mentioned there, Ash, you're really focused on how we do less, which is not necessarily intuitive when we're thinking about being productive or being effective or efficient. How do we do that? How do we do less and still achieve more, I guess? Great question. So I think uh, we need to take a quick step back into history to just get a little bit of perspective here. So this concept of productivity is really got its origins, I believe, in economics. You know, we talk about economic productivity. And I think that that was born out of a guy called Frederick Taylor's approach, Mm -hmm. which was a scientific management approach. And it was very much about measuring the movements of employees on the factory floor. And in those days when we were mainly a manufacturing-based environment, it mattered whether it took you three seconds to go from machine A to machine B and so on. Now that most of us who are listening to this episode or watching it are knowledge workers rather than working on a factory floor and we seem to have moved into the information age, those terms and those concepts of scientific management and productivity are less relevant. Mm. So given the fact that we are bombarded by obscene amounts of information and marketing messages every day, the challenge to me is about actually filtering out the noise and being able to tune into the signal. So developing the skill of identifying the signal and identifying it as distinct from the noise 
is becoming an increasingly important skill. And I believe the people who are going to win in 2019 and beyond are the ones who are going to figure out how to do that most efficiently. Mm. And one good way to do that is to use the Eisenhower matrix framework. So if you like, I can quickly explain that. For sure. So the Eisenhower matrix was created by Dwight Eisenhower, one of the US presidents. It was then later appropriated, to put it mildly, by Stephen Covey, and he called it the Four Quadrants Matrix. It's essentially the same thing. And if you're listening or watching, I want you to just imagine a piece of paper with four squares uh, in it. So divide your a piece of paper into four squares. On the top left square, you've got quadrant one, which is urgent and important. And think of these as crisis type events. Quadrant two is on your top right, and that's the important but not urgent stuff. Now, this is the area where you want to focus most of your efforts. This is stuff that is strategically important. This is things like building systems, exercising regularly so you manage your health, so you don't end up with a quadrant one activity like a heart attack. (laughs) This is where you really want to focus your early part of your day, where you're clear-headed and you're not in a reactive state. This is where you do the more proactive work. Quadrant three is more your urgent but not important stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is things like text messages, interrupting your workflow, phone calls, people stopping by your desk and saying, hey, you got a quick minute. And the next thing you know, it's a half an hour conversation, meetings that are pointless or don't have a clear agenda. And being able to filter out these distractions by, for example, saying to people, okay, I'll attend the meeting, but I need to know what the agenda is and what the outcomes are. Or, you know, yes, you can stop by my desk, but right now I'm in the middle of something. Can you come by at 4 p.m.? You know, things like that allow you to filter out the quadrant three stuff and move it towards the end of the day when your energy levels are lower. And then quadrant four is watching cat videos and, you know, (laughs) watching Netflix. And that is important too. I don't want to, you know, you can't overstate the importance of that because we all do have, need our downtime. We do need to have the replenishment of our energy levels and things that we enjoy. But I recommend doing those towards the end of the day when most of us have lower energy levels and we are ready to receive the more passive entertainment. Mm. Okay, so we've got there important but not urgent is really where you want to be focusing your energy and that productive part of your day, which for most people, uh, not everybody, I think, but maybe most people, that's sort of the beginning of the day or the morning time. And then there is the urgent but not important, the interruptions that we kind of want to schedule perhaps Mm -hmm. so we make separate time for them. And then there is the not urgent, not important. We're either not there at all or we're saving that for the end of the day where we're watching our TV series and just chilling out. I've missed one. What was the urgent and important? The urgent and important. That's the crisis stuff, quadrant one. Right. So the urgent and important, that's the office building is burning down. Somebody called the fire brigade. Got it. (laughs) Okay. Which really, when you think about it, does not happen very often. Well, that's the key. If you're focused enough on quadrant two, it's less likely to become quadrant one. Sure, you might have them from time to time, but you want to minimize your quadrant one stuff. Exercise every day, have a good diet, practice incremental health building techniques, Mm -hmm. you're less likely to end up with a heart attack. Yeah. And do you have, uh, this is a very uh, visual kind of a strategy here, Ash, do you have this on your website? And maybe I could put a link in the show notes for this episode. People want to click through and look at this quadrant just to remind themselves. Absolutely. I've written a detailed blog post on LinkedIn and I can share with you that image where I've actually created my own examples. But yes, absolutely. 
Okay, awesome. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. All right, so really an important starting point. And I think when I first met you, Ash, it was by watching one of your webinars and you really dug deep into this Eisenhower matrix and I found it really helpful to think about the way that I structure my life and my day around that matrix. Any other strategies that you want to just cover off at this point? They do all come back to the Eisenhower Mm. matrix, but I'll just elaborate a little bit on that to try and make it a little bit more tangible and actionable for our listeners and our viewers. But before that, I just want to preface it with one more paradigm shifting idea, Mm -hmm. and that is time management is a misnomer, especially in today's context, because you can't really manage time. We all have 24 hours in the day. What you can manage is your energy, and that's what this Eisenhower matrix is really trying to get you to do. Manage your energy and your areas of focus. Mm -hmm. So let's try and dig in a little bit deeper into what these quadrant two activities are so that we can get a feel for where we can get the best bang for our buck, where we can focus on the 20% of our efforts that delivers 80% of our results. And that, by the way, is the Pareto efficiency theory, which has been observed across all several phenomena around the world. Mm. But it was first discovered by a guy called Wilfredo Pareto in Italy. So building systems is a great example of spending 20% of your effort, but it'll deliver 80% of your results because it's one of those things that keeps on giving. Mm. If you build good quality systems, you essentially replicate yourself to the extent that the system can stand in for what you're doing. And by a system, I don't mean just technology. I mean, also a group of people that replace what you are doing to produce the same outcome using systems, procedures, and a team or a combination of those. Standard operating procedures is another example of building good quality systems and goes towards that. We talked about that a lot and you've done that very successfully with your podcast, which is one of the reasons you spend so little time in producing your podcast and it's Mm. largely happening on automatic in the background, Mm. apart from recording your voice. Another important one might be building a recurring income-based business. So consider moving to a recurring income-based model, which means that you can leverage your expertise. So this is particularly good for knowledge workers. You build a membership site and you might have your content and your, you know, your expertise taught in the form of information products behind a paywall and people pay you to access that on a monthly, weekly, yearly basis. It's a bit like building a Westfields and then Each of your information products is like a store in there and and people are paying your rent to be able to access it. It's not quite the same Mm. analogy, but you get what I'm saying. Mm. You're building value behind a paywall and people come there to get that value. And then to keep it going, you build community and you build a powerful, valuable community where you become the leader of that community. That does take a bit of time, but it's a very powerful 20% thing that delivers 80% of your results. And uh, the last thing I would say is, To be able to retain this quadrant two focus, and by the way, I don't see myself as an expert in being in quadrant two. I see myself as an aspirant. Mm -hmm. I actually see you as being someone who's better capable of doing this because you're just emotionally a lot more stable. You know, some people are just born with a genetic It may seem that way. (laughs) (laughs) But some people just are genetically disposed to having that you know, baseline stability. But that is not to say that all of us, including you, can not improve. And the secret to that is mindfulness, Mm. which we can talk about in a little bit more detail a bit further down the track, if you like, Mm. a specific technique to developing more of a proactive mindset using your breath Mm. and being less reactive. And that helps you to stay in quadrant two through the day. 
Mm. You've mentioned there, Ash, systems, and we're not necessarily just talking about having templates and and procedures. We're also talking about having a well-trained team that it has been carefully selected to do the job that uh, you need them to do. I just think this is so, so important for strata managers. And so many of you out there, I'm sure, have and have had for many years template minutes of meetings, template agendas. You would be working every day with different types of templates. You have an assistant who works with you. And what I would encourage you to do is really think carefully about what it is you're doing each day, even if it means writing it down, writing down from 8.30 a.m. when you get at your desk until 5.30 p.m. if you're lucky, when you might be leaving your desk to go to a meeting, what is everything that I did today? And then reviewing that, and Ash, you might have better guidelines than I do, but maybe after a week, having a look at what all of those things were, did I need to be doing all of that? How much of that could be systematized by having new operating procedures that instruct my assistant for how to do this, Uh, template emails that get sent out automatically to clients who ask this particular question. You're right, Ash, I have used a lot of those hacks, if you like, successfully when it comes to running my online business. And I am asked by so many of you again and again, Amanda, how do you do it? How do you fit so much into the day? And the fact is that I've learned this stuff. You know, I kind of didn't come out of the womb just being efficient and being productive. I've learned from listening to people like Ash and reading blogs like Ash's how to do this stuff. And it's it's definitely Definitely something that can be learned, that you can educate yourself in and understand how to make things work over time and honing them, refining them, having the right team around you who have the right instructions. But for me, it would come back to looking at what is it that you're doing now and assessing that with a critical eye. Yes. So what you're talking about is a productivity audit and Mm. a great way to achieve that is just put the stuff into your calendar and then review your calendar at the end of the week. It's a generally a good practice to schedule things in your calendar anyway because it forces you to say, okay, well, I expect this thing to take me an hour, and then you don't end up, you know how they say if you plan for something to take eight hours, then it will extend, mm. expand to that time frame. The task so, expands to fit the time allowed to it, yeah, you. something like that. That's it, exactly. <laughs> and the other thing I would like to say is for those who feel that they're kind of drowning and so on, know a lot of entrepreneurs say this, but I actually have been diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And I have made significant progress over the last 10 odd years. I've been practicing mindfulness. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. Mm. Let's dig into that because that is just so, so valuable. What would you be saying to our listeners who want to get started with practicing mindfulness? What's a quick quick win to get on the board with getting going with that practice in 2019? So essentially mindfulness is just self-awareness and some people call it meditation and action. The Eastern philosophers have always believed that there's an intimate relationship between the breath and the mind. So a quick exercise you can practice right now as you're listening is if your mind is racing or your mind is feeling a little bit agitated, you'll probably notice that your breath is shallow and fairly fast. When your mind is peaceful and calm, like when you're falling asleep or so on and so forth, or when you just wake up, your breath tends to be deep and slow. Well, the interesting thing is there appears to be a reverse relationship as well. In other words, you can regulate your mind using your breath. 
So if your mind is agitated and scattered, you take a deep breath, which you can do with me right now. You take three deep breaths and you'll find that your mind starts to slow down. And then you find gradually you're moving into a less reactive and a more proactive mode. And you can do this anytime. And if you do this often enough over a period of time, it's not going to happen straight away, but you do this over a period of maybe 30 days, you do it maybe at least three or four times a day, you will start to notice that you're operating more in quadrant two and less in quadrant three and four. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you'll be seeing less of the quadrant one crisis type stuff happening in your life. Mm, that's a really handy tip. This is, you know, j just breathe for uh, managers, committee members, owners who are in difficult strata meetings. Think about yes. those high stress, often, uh, well, often, I guess if I'm involved, but sometimes high conflict situations yeah. where you're walking into the room and already your heart is racing, your blood pressure is up, you're ready for the fight because there's been some horrible emails that have been floating around because right. there's a $200,000 special levy that you've got to convince other owners to vote for or to support or you've got to explain it as a strata manager. You're a new strata manager and this is only one of your first uh, big meetings with a building management committee or a large community association and that's nerve-wracking. Having that tool in your kit to be able to just stop, take three deep breaths, clear your mind and focus on exactly what you've got to do next, I think just is just incredibly powerful. Yeah, and just a couple of other little reasons you want to do it that will make it so compelling is, firstly, the breath is the closest thing to you and it is your source of life. So it's there with you all the time. The second reason it is so powerful is because the breath is constantly in a state of flux and it drives home on a very symbolic level the fact that everything is always changing and this too shall pass, just like your breath passes mm -hmm. in and out of you. Yes, And so whatever crisis you're experiencing, you will start to see the, the ephemeral nature of it, you know, that it's evanescent. It's not going to be here forever. And that's one of the things that we tend to do when we are in a fight or flight situation. We tend to see things as permanent and all-encompassing. So the breath unlocks that mechanism of fight or flight. Mm. The other thing is that it has been proved through multiple scientific studies that it actually it, it works in the parasympathetic system and reduces the cortisol mm, yep. levels in your body. It increases dopamine levels and it just increases this feeling of feel good, all of which are going to give you a better quality of life, less likely to end up with all sorts of health issues. And it's just that little incremental thing you can do every day, all the time. Yes, incredibly powerful, our breath. And I think more and more science uh, research being done to show us how our, our breath and, and mindfulness and being self-aware, which is where we started with this, um, how beneficial that is to our everyday. It's just uh, we can't overstate it, I think. Yes. Oh, sorry, Amanda, there's one more thing I want to say that is really it. makes the breath really compelling as an option. The breath is non-conceptual. So when your mind, when you're running around in your head with, oh, you know, I've got to deal with this crisis and this person's on my back about this and, you know, oh, I'm feeling anger and frustration or whatever, the breath is concept neutral. It just takes you back into your body. And there's a lot to be said for dropping back into your body to overcome those feelings of that 
fuddle in your head. Mm, Yep. And to be able to have those breakthroughs that you might need in a meeting to solve a problem. And you can't think, you can't think when your heart's racing and the blood's rushing to your head or to your, to your extremities, perhaps, because you're in fight or flight and stopping, taking a breath, having that focus, and then realizing that with that focus, you can solve problems. uh, It's a fantastic result. I actually interviewed the, one of the professors of psychiatry from Harvard, and he actually talked about the value of just doing nothing for creative breakthroughs. So absolutely Mm. do it. That's why we all get our best ideas in the shower. It's a thing. It's a thing, people. (laughs) All right. Now let's talk about challenges, Ash. Uh, We do like to acknowledge them, but we want to move past them as well. What challenges are you finding that your clients, professionals that you're working with are facing when it comes to improving productivity? And what do you do to help them push past these challenges? I think the one biggest challenge I'm seeing more and more is the increase in distraction, shiny objects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have multiple screens now. There's all sorts of things that are just invading our mental space. And I believe the winners of 2019 and onward are going to be the ones who become skilled at being able to time box those mm. distractions. And to be able to use things like screen time on your iPhone, which I think is a good thing, because while I think Apple has a lot to answer for, for having created such a distraction-based tool, which is ironic given that Steve Jobs was all about Zen, (laughs) I still think that, you know, screen time and stuff are good advances in that direction. Tell us what screen time is for those who may not know. Sure. Uh, So screen time is just a tool in the most recent version of iOS, which is your iPhone or your iPad, which allows you to measure how much you've been interacting with your phone, the number of times you've picked up your phone, the number of times you've looked at your phone. And you can also limit the amount of time you spend on social media and actually shuts your phone down and you have to unlock it or shuts your social media down and you have to unlock it. So it makes it that one step harder. Mm. It's a bit like not having the cookies in your pantry Mm -hmm. but instead not buying them at all so you have to go to the shops to buy them and that changes your food habits there's a lot to be said for your environment in terms of behavioral change i recently interviewed james clear about this and he wrote a book called atomic habits and he talked a bit about that as well so changing our environment which in these days is our phones our ipads our computers is a big factor towards becoming free Mm. And just being aware through that kind of technology, uh, being able to share the data with you, being aware how much time you are spending on particular apps, on social media, you know, I, how many times do I touch my phone in an hour? Uh, 55 times I'm touching my phone. Oh my gosh, that's just appalling. You know, well, yes. <laughs> it depends what you're doing, but if you're supposed to be doing something else and you keep picking up and checking your phone, your attention would just be yes. all it's over Yes, it's becoming an epidemic. It's mm. affecting our sleep patterns. People are checking their phone as they're falling asleep and then sleeping less Mm. put your phone in another room here's another bit of a paradox steve jobs apparently had one book on his phone just one Mm -hmm. and he had apparently one or two apps or something he had hardly any apps on his phone Mm -hmm. so there you go yeah (laughs) if it's good enough for steve jobs hey (laughs) yeah i like that here's another good tip or trick that the listeners can apply if you were to take five days off and go and leave what's going to break Take some time off, maybe start with one day, I don't know, but start with half an hour if you have to. See what breaks, build a system around it, come back, rinse, repeat. Yep, 
And if you never take that time out, you're never going to know. You're never going to know what's not working. So true. And you're never going to free yourself from that emotional burden that you've probably created, thinking that if I leave this job, the world will fall apart, which is a massive weight to carry around. Yeah, and easily solved. All right, Ash, this next question you will know well because it is one that you ask your guests on your podcast. What books have had the greatest impact on you and why? Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson has had the biggest impact on me of late. And the main reasons for that is Jobs was a master of eliminating distractions. He would have these offsite meetings with his team and he would get them to list the top 10 things that they wanted. And then they'd all excitedly tell him that he'd get them to prioritize it. And then he'd just scrap the bottom seven and they would just go like, what? No, you can't do that to us. And he'd go, yes, we're doing that. And he would just go with the top three. Apple has more recently lost its way a little bit. It's become a little bit diffused in its focus. And I believe that's partly because Jobs has left. And that brutal elimination, I believe, is essential. Mm. And I learned that from Jobs. And I'm constantly trying to improve myself in that regard. The other thing that I found awesome about the book was his relentless pursuit of simplicity. And his idea of product design was to make the product so subservient to the customer experience, it would bow down to the customer experience so much that it would almost disappear. And that's how he decided to get rid of the keyboard, which now has become a standard thing. That's what to some degree led to the idea of intersection between the humanities and technology, which to me was an incredible thing to even imagine, let alone build one of the most profitable businesses in the world around. Mm. So all of that came down to, I believe, elimination and then relentless execution. Yeah, very good recommendation there. I'll make sure that we have a link to that one in the show notes and I'll have to get into it myself. I mean, Apple is just a fascinating company all around mm-hmm. and, and it gets mentioned a lot in marketing circles and when we're talking about business, full stop, modern business, full stop these days. And make no mistake, Jobs was quite a flawed person. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of things about his character that were not what you'd call normal, but that seems to go with the territory mm. with a lot of fairly successful people. All right, Ash, uh, we have to wrap up shortly. And I know you and I could talk about this for hours and uh, I think maybe uh, another guest spot for you in 2019 needs to be scheduled in. But let's have your top five productivity tips for 2019. Okay, I'll keep this brief. (laughs) Make a list of the things you want to achieve in the first quarter of 2019. Prioritise that list. Park everything apart from the top three things on that list. Review that list and how you did at the end of the quarter and take away your learnings from that list, write them down, rinse and repeat. Excellent. I would characterize that as planning and goal setting. Is that sort of your mentality around that as well? I'm not sure if they're probably not buzzwords anymore, but how important is planning? Look, I think planning is very important because the act of planning I believe is as important, if not more Mm. important than the plan that results from the act of planning. And I talked about this at length with somebody who's a successful planner. I think the plan at the end of the day is relatively less important because when you're planning, you're thinking about the resources that you're moving into that quadrant two mindset, Mm -hmm. into that proactive mindset and preferably doing it away from your desk and your normal work environment is a good idea. Yep. And then the other thing I'd like to say is goal setting to some degree is overrated Mm -hmm. because I think when you set goals, and this is typically a fairly Western concept, 
the act of setting yourself up for a goal creates a certain constant postponement of satisfaction and happiness because by definition, you're only going to feel like you got there when you reached your goal. Mm -hmm. And goals being based in the future mean that you're permanently postponing your happiness and your satisfaction. Yeah. Or you get there and yeah, what's the next thing? And you and forget to have the goal. celebration. So your, your satisfaction, if anything, is very momentary. True, right? true. If on the other hand, you focus on procedures and James Clear talked about this when I talked to him recently, and I really liked that, but I've always believed this. If you focus on the process with a view to a goal, so have a goal, but focus on the process and enjoy the process and recognize that the journey is the destination, mm. you're much more likely to have a satisfying experience and if you don't achieve your goals, you don't feel like everything is lost because you haven't stacked everything up to that last point of your journey. You've invested in the whole journey, which is how it should be because that's how we're built. Mm. Now, Ash, I know today you have just given us a snapshot of what you do together with your clients. And I, uh, of course, have firsthand experience of that. And those you're working with now are very lucky to have access to you through your online membership, which is getmetodone.com. I love that name, Get Me To Done. And I, my productivity tip for 2019 for all listeners is to go and check out getmetodone.com and learn more about what uh, Ash is doing successfully with his clients, what they're achieving and get your amazing 2019 underway. Thank you, Amanda. I just want to tell a very short, quick story. One of my clients, Julie McDonald, who used to be a BBC news anchor, she now works for Al Jazeera. She launched a membership site and I helped her with that. And she actually said to me, you know what? You just got me to done. And I said, you know what? I need to grab that URL. And that's how I got the URL. I love it. Yeah. It's really um, speaks volumes in one, two, three, four words. Very efficient. <laughs> now, Ash, do let us know how our listeners can contact you, find out more about you. Uh, I'll put the link to Get Me To Done in the show notes. Anything else you'd like to add? There's my podcast on iTunes, which you can just find by typing in Productive Insights. But if you want to chat with me and do a free half an hour consult because you're one of Amanda's members or subscribers, I would love to extend that free session to you. Just go to callashroy.com and just book in a half an hour slot and just mention in the subject Amanda's podcast. And it'll be my honor to help you in whatever way I can. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ash. That's very generous of you. Well, thank you so much for your time. You're a busy man and we will catch you next time. Thank you for having me on. It's been such a pleasure and such an honor. Thanks, Ash. Thank you for listening to Your Strata Property, the podcast which consistently delivers to property owners reliable and accurate information about their strata property. You can access all the information below this episode via the show notes at www.yourstrataproperty.com.au. You can also ask questions in the comments section, which Amanda will answer in her upcoming episodes. How can Amanda help you today? today?